Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us on online service. We're so blessed and thankful to have you guys join us today. Um, let us all, you know, come together. You guys stand in your own homes too, and uh, we're just gonna join in praise for the Lord. Here we go. Let's sing together. Praise is rising.
Praise God. If you guys have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 14, verse 2 to 6. And I'll be reading in the ESV version. So let's all uh, read together. And it says, In my Father's house are not many rooms. For it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if you go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let us all pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for giving us this time to just come to surrender to you and to praise your name, Lord. We thank you for giving us um, our families, our friends, uh, our loved ones just to be beside us or afar, and that we're able to worship together as a church, Lord, and as a unity, Lord. And we thank you so much for your body, Lord, that you have given us um, a way to uh, to God, Lord, and that you have given us a way to just be able to be saved uh, by your blood. And we thank you so much for um, being uh the one for us, Lord, and uh, we thank you so much, and we praise your name for you are so great, and you are so good, Lord, and uh, we just want to thank you so much for everything that you have given us, Lord, and we ask your patience just to be with us as we sing these songs uh, and continue on, Lord, that you just uh, guide us and let the Holy Spirit move within us as we sing, and that we just praise with all of our hearts, Lord, and uh, we just give everything up to you, and we thank you for everything in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
Lord of heaven and earth. Sing hallelujah together. And hallelujah to Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Sing God wonder. And God wonders beyond our galaxy. Trinity Lions Church family. Good to see you this morning and glad you could join us in this uh, worship service. Wish you could be with us live as uh, <clears throat> brothers and sisters are meeting together in the amphitheater this morning and probably experiencing a little weather a little bit hotter than you're probably experiencing in your home right about now. But nonetheless, we're glad that you could be with us. And if you ever have the opportunity to come and join us uh, out in person, if you're visiting uh, online for the first time, come and join us in our amphitheater next Sunday. We'll be meeting out there and, and at 8.30. And uh, you can go to our website at trinityalliance.org and catch up on information there about uh, the newest updates and things about our meetings and stuff. So uh, take a look at that. And um, uh, we'd love to be able to meet you and uh, just to get to know you there that way. Just a couple of announcements, things I want to share with you. Uh, our, uh, just a reminder for those of you that signed up for the kids camp, that is beginning tomorrow. And so you'll want to be, um, be there, be a part of it. If you have questions, um, give Debbie Vandermark a call. You should have received all your information about it already. Um, we've got about 30 kids there with that. And so we're looking forward to that and what the Lord has for us in store there as well. Also, uh, you should have received an email this week about our church directory. We're trying to get that finalized. So if you haven't responded to Elisa yet, please do so. And we will get that um, information together and be releasing our directory to you here shortly. And so please take a look at that and make sure that all the information is correct. And then the last one is concerning our um, uh, baptism. We are trying to schedule a baptism for July. We don't have the Sunday picked out yet, but uh, we would like to know if you or someone in your family would like to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And if so, you need to let myself or Pastor Sean know about that. Uh, call the church office and leave a message. We'll get back to you and give you the details and things. And we hope by next week maybe to have a date for you as well about what Sunday we're looking to, to do the uh, baptism as well. So that's all that I have for announcements. And Pastor Sean's going to come and share a ministry highlight with us. Thanks, Dad. We're looking good together again today. Huh? Yeah, yeah. We match in our wardrobes again. I call him dad because it's Father's Day. Have you said happy Father's Day to your father yet? Go ahead. Take a moment. Happy Father's Day, dad. I love you. You're the best. What'd you get me for Father's Day, dad? I got you something amazing. Me! 
Anyway, Father's Day, uh, it's exciting to be on another Sunday and be able to have uh, services in person. We're sorry you can't be with us, uh, but we hope that you'll be able to join us soon. We, uh, the last two weeks, have been awesome out in the amphitheater and full house and just lots of people and lots of conversations and just amazing worship. China's been doing an awesome job leading us in worship the last couple of weeks and uh, get to do that again this week, so just a big thank you to China as well. But uh, I do want to just uh, take a moment to say something to fathers. Uh, uh, you know, fathers, you are amazing. It, it is a hard job to be a father, and I think even more so today than maybe any time in history. There are so many pressures against fathers today and so many things that we have to try to deal with as fathers in this culture and in this time. And so I just want to say thank you to uh, fathers out there who, uh, who have put in that hard work. It's a challenging thing. It's a challenging job to lead a family in a time like this. We really, all fathers need to have wisdom in times like this, to know who the real enemy is. You know, one of the things that men and fathers love to do and want to do and are driven to do is to protect their families. But with so many different voices out there right now and so many different, uh, you know, uh, attacks coming from so many different areas, we need a lot of wisdom to be able to know who are the real enemies that we need to protect our family from. Also, we need to have uh, strength in times like this. Strength uh, that will help us to remain faithful to the Lord. Uh, there's so many things pulling us away and dragging our attention away from Jesus right now and trying to get us to look here or look there. And so as fathers, we especially need to have our eyes trained on Jesus in this time, and so we need his strength. But we also need patience. We need patience to endure as we wait for the Lord to show up. Um, as fathers, you know, so often we are excited and want to act, and some, sometimes we overreact, and sometimes we just react without even thinking about it. But that we as fathers, especially in a time like this, would learn how to enjoy and receive patience from Jesus so that we can endure and continue to wait for him until we get a clear word, the direction that he gives to, to reveal to us who the enemies are that we need to protect our family from. So fathers, we love you. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, just uh, praying for you and going to pray in a moment for you, uh, even in this service. Uh, but just uh, continue to do what you can. Continue to keep your eyes on Jesus. Continue to wait for his strength and for his wisdom and for him to show up in your life. Um, God is at work. He's moving and he's going to lead you as the leader of your home. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for fathers. We do. They're such an important part of the family dynamic. And in our country, uh, they have been really pushed out of kind of the mainstream of family. Uh, you don't really need a father. At least that's what our culture tells us nowadays. And, uh, and it's just not true. Your word clearly teaches us that we need both a husband and a wife, a father and a mother in order to care for a family, in order to have that family unit that you've designed. That, Lord, that we, are, uh, we need both sides of the image of God, both the mothering side and the fathering side. So, Lord, I pray that for all of our fathers, that you would uh, give them strength at this time, give them strength to endure and to be faithful. Give them wisdom to know who the enemies are in this world 
world and give them patience to wait on you, to make sure that they've heard from you first before they act. Lord, you are, uh, you are a God who journeys with all of us in life. And I just uh, would ask that you'd reveal yourself in special ways uh, today and this week and uh, in, in the lives of the fathers in our church, that you would help them to be the men that you desire, desire them to be, that you'd help them to lead their families the way you desire for them to lead. Lord, thank you also for this service. We thank you that we have an opportunity once again online to worship you together. And I just would ask that you would once again allow those uh, maybe sitting in their living rooms or watching on their phones uh, somewhere, uh, maybe at a park or wherever, uh, that they would be able to experience your presence with them through this service today. That Lord, as we worship together in this room, that whoever, whatever room that these people are, that people are watching this service, that they would be able to worship as well. They'd ex experience your presence. They'd hear your voice. They'd be encouraged. They'd be loved and they'd be challenged as well. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you that you are a mighty and awesome God who continues to work in these chaotic times. And uh, just ask that your kingdom would come and that you continue to bring revival to our hearts individually, corporately, and to our nation as well. May you be glorified in and all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's continue to uh, worship the Lord in song. Fears and doubts, they can all come true because they can't. 
Welcome, as the friend of 
Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful Sunday morning, Lord, helping us to gather together to worship you. Lord, wherever we are, we are believe that you are glorified through our praise and worship, Lord. And we, we trust you, we adore you, we worship you, Lord, as we submit the rest of our session, as Pastor Sean is going to speak to us, Lord. Lord, you speak through him, Lord, and speak to our hearts, speak the truth that gives life to us, Lord, that which is you are the truth and you are the life, Lord. 
Lord, as we enter into the most session, important session, Lord, where we hear your word. Lord, we are not just, help us not just the hearers of your word, but let us be the doers of your word, Lord. Thank you once again. We pray over Pastor Sean. Speak to us. Fill him with your wisdom, with your power, that our hearts would be changed and to do your will more in our lives. Thank you once again. And we believe you'll be glorified through the rest of the session. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Wow. Sometimes the simplest tasks are the most challenging. It is true. Uh, if you didn't see it off camera, someone, I won't name any names, almost fell bringing this little table up. <clears throat> but he made it. It's good. It's good. All right. <laughs> hey, church, it's good to, uh, again, see you and excited to be with you and excited also to be back into our uh, series on uh, who Jesus is as we have gone through the I am statements in the book of John. Uh, most uh, recently, we were uh, considering uh, the I am statement where Jesus says he is the resurrection and the life, and that was a couple of weeks ago. And, and, be, uh, in that, uh, and then the week before that was the shepherd, uh, that he is the good shepherd. Uh, before that, he was the gate. Before that, he was the light. And then before that, he was the bread of life. And so this morning, we jump back into the I Am statements, moving to, the chap to chapter 14 of John. Uh, probably the most famous I Am statement of all, uh, used in so many different uh, ways and different realms, but especially in when it comes to evangelism. Uh, this is an, a key verse that is used, and I've talked to actually to a couple of pastors now that uh, whenever they do memorial services, they include this verse, John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, as I said a couple of weeks ago, that uh, I feel like the I am statements, there's seven of them, and I feel like with the I am statements, the first three are kind of centered on the pre-saved individual. So both the bread, or all three of the bread of life, the light of the world, and the gate were three perspectives or characteristics of Jesus that really were speaking to those who have not come to Christ yet, who are not saved yet. And, they, and, and, and Jesus clearly lays out that he is that source of salvation, both all, with all three of those, uh, the bread of life, the light of the world, truth, and then the gate, the way to enter. And, and so in this passage before us today, we see this kind of uh, paralleling of those three, first three I am statements with this one I am statement, which actually has three aspects to it. So uh, I am the way, truth, and life. If you go backwards from the way we began, uh, you see the gate, that is the way of salvation. So Jesus is the way of salvation. You look at the light, and I pointed out how the light was the revealer of truth. And so he's the true salvation. And then the bread of 
life, right? If you eat his flesh, then you will live, right? And so this parallel uh, of these different perspectives and characteristics. However, uh, unlike the first three I am statements that we've already looked at, this one today is, I think, pointing us more, again, towards those who are already saved. And, and so certainly this verse is useful, and it has a meaning, obviously, in the fact that Jesus is the way of salvation. He's the truth of salvation. He's the life of salvation. But to just see it through the lens of those coming to salvation, I think, is, is not enough. We need to recognize as well that this has to do with the, with the Christians as well. Those who are living the Christian life, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Here Jesus lays out really the foundation, I think, of the Christian walk. See, Jesus does not just give us like breadcrumbs for us to follow, right? Like when you get saved, it's not like, you know, you got to search around and try to find those breadcrumbs that Jesus left so that we know how to live this Christian life. He, he did not just give us a book of truth and say, all right, here's how you know me, right? He, he just didn't throw it out there and just kind of leave it on the table, so to speak, and then just kind of walk away. And we're up to our own devices to try to find that book of truth first and then read the book of truth to try to understand it so that we can know what is true about the Christian life. He also did not just provide an emotional experience to make us feel good, right? And so it wasn't like when we, you know, once we're saved that he leaves us with just this kind of, all right, I'm going to kind of give you some feels goods every once in a while so you know if you're doing the, if you're really living the right life, right? You know, how many of us have had that emotional experience when we came to Christ? Right, the first time we bowed our knees to Jesus, oftentimes it was in tears, right? Because we recognize not only the sin, but we also recognize his amazing grace. And so we, you know, we think, oh, but this must be the Christian life. And so it's just this emotional experience. And, but no, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's laying down the foundation in this passage of what it means to live the Christian life. Here Jesus tells us the way the truth, and the life of the Christian. And here what we find is he offers himself. He doesn't just offer some way. He doesn't offer just some truth. He doesn't offer just some kind of life. He offers himself. The foundation of the Christian walk is Jesus. That's what it is. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> now, you know, we typically, when we think about the Christian life, the word sanctification shows up pretty rapidly in that conversation. Now, sanctification is maybe a lot of people, different people define it different ways. For our purposes today, I'm going to define basically sanctification as becoming like Jesus, right? The idea of sanctification is that we want to become holy. Well, Jesus is holy, and so we want to become like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. Now, many of us as Christians, when we first come into the Christian life, and maybe for years and years after, and maybe many of us even in this, you know, in this space today, uh, are viewing sanctification as something that comes from behavior, knowledge, and experience. 
What I mean by that is many times we as Christians view sanctification that, that it's going to come. We're going to achieve sanctification through, first of all, behavior modification. If I change my behaviors and follow God's law, then I'm sanctified. The other side is uh, those who would see it as Bible study. So if I study my Bible and really dig into it, understand what it says, then I know the truth. And because I know the truth, now that means I'm sanctified. And then finally, a third group, and maybe all three of these are mixed together in some sense in your life. Uh, It's an emotional experience. Again, going back to salvation, I had this emotional experience. And so the rest of our Christian life is trying to uh, get back to that emotional or experience that emotional experience again. Because when we feel emotional, when we feel that movement, it's the movement of the Spirit. And if the Spirit is moving, then we're sanctified. But we see here in this passage that Jesus is defining the Christian life. He's defining uh, becoming like him. He's defining sanctification differently than that. Jesus is saying that sanctification does not come from behavior, knowledge, and experience, but sanctification comes from enjoying our oneness with Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There is this union that happens the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old's gone, the new has come. If he's in Christ, he's a new creation. This, this describes what happens the moment we bow our knee to Jesus. The moment we become saved, there's this new creation. There's this union as the Holy Spirit enters into us. And this new creation is made within us. So we are now a one with Godhead, with Jesus, with the Spirit, with the God the Father. It's, it's crazy. So hard to understand, but it's true. We recognize that Jesus here is also telling us that the, it's a process. The sanctification is a process. Even though it's, uh, you know, we have this oneness right away, it takes time for us to experience or enjoy that oneness. It's a process that we work out through our life. Philippians 2, verse 12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice it's work out your salvation. It's not talking about behavior there. It's, it's the salvation is already in us. The oneness is already in us. We need to work it out, in a sense, into the members of our body, right? To, to kind of have to take over from inside out. We need to enjoy. We need to love Jesus. Because enjoying and loving Jesus leads to sanctification, not the other way around. See, so often we think that if we do these behaviors or if we have this truth or if we have these experiences, that will lead us to enjoyment and love of Jesus. But it's the exact opposite. It is enjoying that relationship with Jesus that leads to a behavior change, to a deeper understanding of truth and to experiences with his spirit. Consider for a moment a photographer If you wanted to be a photographer, you would have to, you know, buy a camera and then you'd have to, you know, start taking pictures, right? You'd have to learn how to take quality pictures. You'd have to enjoy 
taking photos. If you didn't enjoy taking photos, you would never become a photographer. Doesn't matter if you got a camera. Doesn't matter if you know how to use it. Doesn't matter if you got some pictures to show of, of, camera, of pictures you've taken. If you don't enjoy taking photos, you're not going to be a photographer. And I want to use this illustration to kind of drive home our point about sanctification. And so I brought a, uh, a little bit of a prop here today, a camera. So back in my uh, younger days, I, uh, I, I enjoyed taking pictures. I loved having a camera and being able to um, take pictures with it. My uh, father-in-law, mother-in-law, father-in-law, they bought me a camera uh, for like a wedding present. I believe it was them. Wasn't it them, honey? I think it was. I don't know. Anyway, somebody bought me a camera. Uh, and uh, it was awesome. And I took it on our honeymoon, and I took these amazing pictures of my wife. Hey, baby, what's going on? And uh, it was great. Uh, and I really fell in love. Actually, I loved it beforehand, so that's why they bought me the camera. Uh, but as... A photographer, right? I mean, if you were to start it out, right, and you ordered a camera, and the first thing you would do, right, and some of you are this way, right? You get a camera, you get the box in the mail, comes from Amazon or whatever, it's on the porch, you bring it in the house, you crack it open. What is the first thing you grab, right? Some of us grab the camera, right? Immediately, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And, and you kind of like take the lens off, and like, oh, look at that, that's amazing. And you're trying to put it back on, figure it out. Oh, lens cap. That's, ooh, it's kind of dusty. This is an old one, by the way. This is an old film camera. It's not digital. Look at <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, but you get the camera, and you kind of play with it, and you kind of figure out how to advance the film, and how to take a picture with it, kind of looking through, and trying to figure out how all these little buttons work, right? And maybe you've got you know, a couple of different lenses, and you go, oh, yeah, look at this. I got this other really big lens, telephoto, nice, woo. That'd be fun. I kind of play with that. Oh, got this sweet flash. Woo, look at that flash, you guys. That's right. Oh, my gosh, that goes on top of the camera, I think. Yeah, anyway, and so you can play with, oh, look, and the polarizing lens. Oh, I got an extra battery in here, right? So you just grab all the pieces of the camera and try to figure out how it all works, right? But would that make you a photographer? Right? Just, just because I know the camera and I've played with it and I looked and looked at all the buttons and I know, I think, maybe how to take a picture. I think I know how this works. Yeah, yeah. And even if I know, even if in, in the dark I could kind of navigate my way around a camera, does that mean that I'm a photographer? See, we as Christians can do the same thing with our Christian walk. We can be practicing all of the tools, right? We can, we can focus on the different tools that it takes to be a good Christian, to be sanctified. And so we grab the disciplines, you know, and oh, I'm, I'm going to spend, you know, Bible study, devotion every day, and oh, I'm going to do fasting as well. And so we get really good at, at fasting, and, and we spend maybe every, you know, Wednesday is our fast day, and so we fast through lunch, right? And, and then, you know, we're really good at prayer, or we like prayer, and so we grab prayer, and we, we play with prayer some, and we do some, suppl- you, know, you know, just praying for ourselves, and also, you know, intercessory for some other people, and that's really cool. And maybe, maybe we spend some time in isolation, you know, and in solitude, and you kind of get away for a week. And we, we go in church and we worship and we make sure that we do that really well. And, 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 we're, and so we're kind of ta- hanging out and, and touching and feeling all these different disciplines. But does that make us a Christian? Does that make us sanctified? See, the disciplines are not the point of Christianity. So many of us get confused by that. We, we think the disciplines are what it's all about. 
We, we step through the door of salvation and then we see all these toys, these tools, and we just want to grab them and play with them, not recognizing that the tools aren't the point. See, it's about the relationship with Jesus. It's about enjoying that relationship with Jesus. The disciplines are not the point. Enjoying our oneness with Jesus is the point. We may say, well, this, but the disciplines, they help us to live more righteously and do what God wants us to do. You're right, they do. But we can't enjoy that righteousness if we're not in relationship with the righteous one. Another uh, kind of uh, camera, uh, you know, novice, someone who just gets their camera, they get the box and Amazon is there and, and, and so they, they got the, you know, the box of their camera and it's all wrapped up pretty and everything and, and they like open up the box and, but they don't touch anything, right? The styrofoam stays in its place and they go right for the instruction manual. This one's kind of beat up because this is an old camera. They go right for the instruction manual. That's the first thing they open and they grab it and it's usually right on top, right? And so they, they leave the camera in the box and they just spend all their time kind of, first of all, going through and reading all the instructions and how the camera works and, oh, that's, that's what that knob is for and that's what those numbers mean and that's what, oh, aperture, oh, that's cool. Oh, autofocus, really? Oh, man. And so we read through, they never touch the camera, but they read through the manual over and over again, and maybe even they memorize some of it, and they kind of get to the point where they really know the camera really well. They've got it all. They know exactly how this thing works. They know all the little bells and whistles. They even know how to put on the timer, right? And they can make it five seconds or 10 seconds or 20 seconds if they want. They know all of that stuff. They've got it all figured out. But just because they know the manual, are they a photographer? We as Christians can do the same thing. We step through the door of salvation and we grab the manual and we begin to focus on it. Yeah, it's good. We dig into it and we're looking for all the good stuff in there. We read through it over and over again. We memorize a bunch of scripture. and I mean, there's some really good stuff in here. It's amazing. And Jesus, he was a really smart guy. I mean, it's amazing what he can write, what he, what he wrote and what he said. Uh, so wise and so good. And oh man, Genesis, what a great book. And some great, uh, you know, Judges. <laughs> what a fun book that is, right? And so it, it even get to the point where maybe we can teach it because we know it so well. Spent all their time getting to know what's going on in the scripture. But we don't realize that it's not the point. I want to read a quick passage that's actually a really scary passage. Um, if you were a Pharisee, especially, this is a tough passage. Matthew chapter 23 Verses 23 and 24, here Jesus is kind of going off on the Pharisees and he's talking about oh, oh, there's seven woes that he gives to the Pharisees. And like, whoa, like seriously, whoa. Uh, anyway, so this is one of those uh, in verse 23 and 24. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. 
So often this is Christians who just focus exclusively on the word. They know it really well and they become very legalistic oftentimes. This has become their hope, just knowing and memorizing and understanding God's word. But again, they don't recognize that it's not the point. God didn't give us his word so we could just memorize it and understand all the laws and what he said in it. He gave it to us so that we could enjoy our oneness with Jesus. You see, truth by itself won't save us. It's understanding that truth in the relationship with Jesus that will change us. The third uh, group of people that uh, would uh, get a, a, a camera in the mail, they, they would uh, maybe not, uh, you know, they would not pick up the manual. They would not grab, well, they would grab the camera, but they probably wouldn't play with all the toys. The first thing they would do is they would go outside and they'd begin taking pictures with it. Immediately, just boom, 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 taking all kinds of pictures. And then, you know, you know, nowadays it's digital, and so they could see their beautiful pictures right away. This camera, no, you have to wait to see your beautiful pictures. That's right, you got to give this little canister to somebody who then takes it, and they print it out, and you come back the next day. Now they have one-hour photo, which is nice. I uh, come back in an hour, and then you can see your photos, but you can't see it right away, right? But anyway, they just take pictures right away. They just jump right in. Don't wait. Don't wait any time. Don't try to figure out what the camera's doing or how to operate it, really. They just kind of, you know, oh. I kind of know, you know, nowadays we all know how camera works, right? You know, and so we just go for it. And then we get the, the pictures back. And, and after we've gone through a roll, we get the pictures back and we go around and show everybody, look at these amazing pictures they took. And some of them are out of focus and some of them are, they're okay. And some of them just, you know, I don't know, they just, they came out black, you know, and you could barely even see anything. And, and so you just like, well, okay, well, that's kind of crazy. But we're, but we're really proud of these pictures because we took these pictures and we'd go, see, I see I'm a photographer, I'm a photographer. But are they a photographer just because they have a bunch of pictures? Again, we as Christians, I think, do this in our Christian life as well. We step through the gate of salvation and we begin to focus on kind of this, the end product or this sense of feeling that we get from Christianity. And we begin to seek that and that alone. I just, I just want to have this experience. I just want to have this feeling. I want to feel like I'm close to Jesus. I just, I just want, I just, wherever I go, I just want to have experience. Every Sunday, it needs to be an experience. And I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing everything the same I did last week where I did have that experience. I'm going to make sure I, you know, pray the same prayers. I'm going to sure I raise my hands the same way. I'm going to even get on my knees if I need to. And whatever it is, right, we, we are always looking for that experience. Seeking this emotion. Because we want to feel close to Jesus. Oftentimes, these people sound really, really sanctified, <laughs> right? They know the words, and they know how to say the right words, and they have this certain kind of holy tone to their voice as they talk. And not, you know, some people have that naturally, and that's fine, but there's, there's others oftentimes that are just doing this in a sense of trying to get or create this emotion or pass on this emotion about who God is or what their relationship with Jesus is like. But there's a passage in um, Matthew chapter 25 
that is not an easy one for those who are simply looking for emotion, looking for an experience with Jesus. Jesus says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in person and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment. You see, we don't recognize oftentimes that the feeling is not the point. You know, we spend our whole time thinking it's just about me and Jesus and this kind of, I want to have this feeling with me and Jesus and I need to have these emotions. I need to have this experience. I need to hear the voice of God audibly or at least in some kind of dramatic fashion. I need to have dreams so that I can, you know, know that he's speaking to me and he's giving me these visions or we create these visions or we try to tell people that we've heard a word from the Lord but we haven't. It's just our own minds that have just come up with something or we heard it from somebody else. So you don't recognize that the feelings are not the point. Enjoying our oneness with Jesus is the point. And when we're enjoying our oneness with Jesus, then the feelings will come. We can, we can just know the tools of a camera. We can know how the camera works we can know, you know what it looks like, and we can even have read the instructions and know exactly how it works. We can even take pictures that maybe we've taken or others and, and show them off and say, look, look, here it is. But that doesn't make us a photographer. You see, a photographer is someone who enjoys taking pictures. They're someone that the camera's with them all the time because they're always taking pictures. Everywhere they go, they're looking for an opportunity to take a picture. Everything they come across, they're looking to take a picture of it. Photographers enjoy taking pictures. The first step of becoming a photographer, though, is actually taking a picture. See, it's when we begin to take a picture with the camera that we begin to find out, and thanks to digital nowadays, we find out right away. We find out how it's working and how it's not. See, we take a picture and we go, oh man, that did not, that's really blurry. Huh, how do I fix that? And then we go to the manual and we go, oh, wait, here we go. Oh, yeah, look, there's autofocus. How do I get to autofocus? Oh, auto, oh, yeah, there's autofocus. Oh, okay, I just got to change the setting. Oh, there we go. Oh, now, boy, that's nice, clear. Ooh, that was, man, that's really bright. It's over, overexposed a bit. How come it's so bright? I hate that. I, gotta, I wonder. Oh, yeah, there's this thing called aperture. You know, if I... I change the aperture on it, or maybe if I change the shutter speed, oh, now I can, now I can take, oh, yeah, there we go. Now, you see, it's 
taking pictures that helps us to learn what it's like to be a photographer and to become a better photographer. As every time we take a picture, we're learning. Back in uh, film days, right, we would do what's called bracketing because you couldn't get an instant result. You would take a picture and then you'd change your settings and take that exact picture again. And then you'd change your settings and take that exact picture again. And then you'd have to write it down in your little book <laughs> so that when you got the camera back or the pictures back, you could look and see what the settings were for each picture. And so you could know what was the best setting for each situation. You see, it's as you take pictures that you realize the value of all the different pieces and when to use a flash or when to use a different lens. It's when you're taking pictures that you begin to recognize and need to go to the instructions to be able to figure out how this all works in order to get the settings just right. And when you do, then the pictures that you have to show off really are beautiful. They really do create an emotion in you, an excitement. Matter of fact, when you get really good, you put that on the wall and you go, wow, and you can feel like you're back in that same spot where you took the picture. See, this is the same with the Christian walk. As Christians, we can't just focus on behavior and knowledge and experience. Those who love Jesus spend time with him every day. Jesus is always with them. And they're always aware of Jesus. Everywhere they go, they've got Jesus there. Every time something happens, they check in with Jesus. They, they want to know what Jesus thinks. When the world starts to kind of fall apart in different ways, they, they don't just immediately freak out. Or if they do freak out, they immediately go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do I do? How do I handle this? What do I, how, do I, how do I navigate this? What do I need to know? What do I look at? What's the answer? What's my response? The first step of sanctification is to love Jesus, to enjoy him. You know, I, uh, I, I, I mentioned, a, I don't know how long ago, it was maybe a year, maybe more ago, about spending time quiet before the Lord. And I want to go back there again this morning because maybe either you don't remember me saying that or maybe you weren't there when I said it. But I, I have found and I've read enough other Christians out there that it seems like there is something sacred about taking time each day to be silent in the presence of God. In other words, not just opening up our Bibles and reading the instructions. Not just, you know, praying, you know, and, and doing our duty, making sure that, you know, our life got this prayer piece in it, making sure that we go to church each Sunday. Not about just you know, looking for some kind of feeling, you know, what I want to get. Well, I get a really good feeling when I read my Bible and then I pray for five minutes and then, you know, I go back and read a psalm and then I'm good, right? Then I just get this good feeling. See, all of those things are secondary to enjoying and loving Jesus. And there's just something sacred about having a 15 or 20 minutes a day 
spent quiet in the presence of God. And I think what it is, is Jesus just wants us to spend time with him. And it's amazing. If we just take that little bit of time each day, the difference that that will make and our ability to understand and hear and navigate and, and know where Jesus is at and to feel his presence. And so I want to encourage you, church, that you know, if your life is filled with just the disciplines or if your life is filled with just knowledge, if your life is just filled with seeking some emotion from Jesus, does this stop? And recognize that, no, it's about being with Jesus. It is when we're with Jesus that then he motivates us to know him. It's when we're with Jesus that he motivates to obey him. It's when we're with Jesus that we're motivated and have these feelings and experiences with him. If we're using behaviors and disciplines in order to get close to Jesus, we got it backwards. It's going to fail us. If we're using scripture knowledge and, and in memorization in order to get closer to Jesus, it's going to fail us. We've got it backwards. If we're using worship